Welcome to the X-Men Test Podcast. My name is Sonia Rappaport. My name is Willie Simpson. Willie, today we are once again correctly advertising ourselves as an X-Men animated series podcast. And let's start there with some positivity. <laughs> because there's going to be a whole lot of negativity on this episode and perhaps for the next several weeks to better part of a year. But let's start positive. You know... Uh, when we were talking about Generation X last week, that failed made-for-TV movie pilot thing, um, I was—I found myself really happy just to be talking about the X-Men again, the world of mutants and all their problems. Uh, it was—it just felt comfortable. Um, we were a bit out of our element with the Spider-Man animated series, uh, if only because. You know, the Spider-Man animated TV show was, as we said, it was very fast, it was very intense, and it was just about Spider-Man. There wasn't any, like, greater theme to it than that, uh, even though it was very good. Um, so we begin today talking about X-Men Evolution, a show that premiered in the year 2000 and had four seasons with 52 total episodes. Now, uh... That said, that I'm happy to be talking about an X-Men television show again, we do have many reservations. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the reason we chose this show was in part because we just are X-Men fans and we're willing to explore more content that's X-Men related. <laughs> but also, like, a lot of people are big fans of this show. We got requests. We've been getting requests for this. For literally years. For years. People would email yeah. me personally about it, saying, when are you going to do X-Men Evolution? It's really good. You got to do it. Uh, we've been warned that season one is not so good, and I think that's been part of our hesitation in starting it, is just like, oh, we have to slog through a season that we already know isn't going to be good. Like, meh. But apparently it gets a lot better in the second season, and that's where the fan base really kind of kicks in. So we thought, all right, maybe uh, quarantine during a pandemic is a good time to <laughs> saddle up for um, a season of not great television with the promise of a payoff later on. Does yeah. that sound right to you? I mean, this you know we have no nostalgia for the show. I didn't watch it when it came out. I saw maybe a handful of episodes at most. So... Uh, we're going to go into this thing as new observers, trying to be as fair and ob as objective as possible as a group of mid-30s adults can be in analyzing a TV show meant for 15-year-olds. Mm -hmm. um, but it might get rough. Uh, so if you love the X-Men Evolution, I'm going to preemptively apologize if you're going to have to put up with a lot of hate speech <laughs> from us as we get into this. Now, that said, we saw the first episode, and I wasn't, like, offended out of my chair. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, this is, like, it's breezy, it's short, it, it hits on some stuff, like, maybe there's some potential for goodness. Um, I, I wasn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I... I maintained my attention throughout that's always <laughs> that's the bar <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean I, my main like the reason i didn't watch it when i was in 2000 it would have been 16 uh is well maybe i was getting a little older but also it was an attempt to to update and make something hip that in my opinion didn't need to be updated or made hip hmm. um the X-Men are just a cool idea. It's a cool comic book. The original animated series was cool. It remains cool. The idea to, like, poochify the X-Men 
grates against me. And there's quite a bit of that going on in this show. Though I'm not going to say it's that's what its defining characteristic is, because I haven't seen enough of it yet to make that judgment. But that's sort of just my, like, a thousand-yard pole analysis of it. F- like, part of my uh, overall bias going into this. Okay. Part of my overall bias has to do with <laughs> the ages that they assign the different X-Men characters. You and I have talked a lot about how we appreciate the original X-Men tasks for making most of the characters adults with a lot of agency. I mean, it was weird in the original show that Jubilee was the only teenager It was of weird. The group. It and was it's a weird. Big, it's supposedly a big school and she's the only student. Because everyone else is theoretically All the other graduated. students are, like, background characters because they're not, like, mature enough. No, for... in what, the original series? There wasn't any other students. No, there weren't any other students, but, like, in other iterations, like in the oh, movies yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. like Right, yeah. It know. is, like, a big bustling school where there's lots going on. Yeah. I mean, that's an inconsistent thing with the X-Men comic books, too. Mm-hmm. You know, in the original comics from the 60s, it was just five group members at the school they all seem to be kind of like past high school age, except mm-hmm. for Bobby Drake, Iceman, who was 16. So, and they were just superheroes all the time. It, they didn't like, weren't like learning anything. From right. My, and then they... It was more know. like Xavier's school was titled as such as an excuse to have all the X-Men be together. I mean, literally it was the like only... A, a, what do they call it? Like a front, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and literally the only schooling was to learn how to use their powers and become superheroes in right. the comics initially. Now, later on in the comics, they like juggled it around a bit. I mean, like, the the original comic flamed out um, in the late 60s, uh, and then they brought it back with Giant Size X-Men, and when they brought it back, it was all adults again. It was Storm, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, Colossus. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did introduce Kitty Pride like, within the first few years. She, again, she was, like, the only student at the time. Yeah. You know, she was, like, 13. Um, but then, like, you know, like, in the 80s, that's when they started to explore the school aspect, when they had the New Mutants comics, and I guess later on, Generation X, the comic we talked about last week that we never read. Um, but, like, and then it was, like, in the 80s, they started to introduce this element that the school, it was more than just, like, the X-Men's house. Right, you know? it wasn't just a facade anymore, where, it, you know, for... Yeah. Like, Magneto became the headmaster at a certain time, like, I don't know, there was, like, a lot going on, and then, like, later on in the 90s and 2000s and 2010s, like, they definitely played around more with the school element, like, there's lots of children that live here, and they're going to classes, Right. and the X-Men are some of the teachers, and they did that in the movies, too, they sort of popularized that notion, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not, like, a consistent, it's just, like, it's an inconsistent concept within the X-Men universe. Which is fine, because you can choose your timeline, right? Like, that's okay. Right, yeah. Uh, I remember as a kid watching the, like, X-Men Tass show, Mm -hmm. appreciating the fact that most of them were adults. Yeah. Uh, When Jubilee was around, it was always like she was really treated like a kid, and even though I was not yet as old as Jubilee when I was watching it, it made me feel kind of, like, outraged on her behalf, you know? like You wanted her to get respect of an adult X-Man. Yeah, and not even just respect, but just, like, the ability to do stuff. Like, even though I understood that her powers kind of sucked and, like, she was sort of like a frivolous teenager and or whatever. Vulnerable. She, <laughs> and vulnerable. Right. It's like, why, we like, know all Shadow... the reasons she sucks. I mean, it's why like... Shadowcat's, like, the ultimate teenage mutant to have because... She's actually got useful powers and right. can, like, protect herself from being hurt. Right. So it makes more sense. They should have gone with Shadowcat in the 90s, but they wanted to update the, the cast then. Yeah. Because Jubilee was, like, the new character. Um, even though she essentially, in the beginning, had the exact same plot as Shadowcat. She was right. like Wolverine's, like, Wolverine was her mentor slash father figure type and... 
you know. But she was like a 90s kid. Right. But anyway, the point is that it was frustrating to me that they had to put in, like, this younger character who couldn't, like, do all the cool stuff like all the other X-Men could. I was like, yeah. why don't they just make all the characters adults? I mean, I'm happy. And I still I, kind of feel that way. The thing, <laughs> thing I don't like about this show, too, is that they've mixed up, like, there are some adults, like, Wolverine and Storm But and that's Professor what X I was getting around to. Yeah, it's yeah. like, ha- they, it seems like they arbitrarily chose who is adult in this one and who is a high school age. Like, Storm and Cyclops are like the leaders of the teams, right? Yeah. In my mind, they should be as equal as possible. They should both be adults or both be kids. Yeah. Um, I, if I was doing an X-Men cartoon or even a new Disney Plus live action show, um, and I, I had to like do the teen angle, which I think is a thing that could work, which I talked about in the Generation X episode. I think you can do Teenage X-Men. Mm-hmm. I'm not making any of the X-Men the classic X-Men. To me, they're always going to be the older X-Men. Yeah. Cyclops, Jean Grey, Wolverine, Storm, whoever. Even Rogue. Like, even characters you might think could be young. And even Iceman, who started off as a teenager. They're all, to me, those are all old X-Men. All the new X-Men, they're going to either be, like, obscure characters, like, very brand new characters to the comic books, or characters that you just make up, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm going to, like, uh, allow myself the creative freedom and then that way I can always say it's like, well, where's like Cyclops and Wolverine? Like, okay, they're off doing a battle somewhere. That's why you're not seeing them this week. Mm-hmm. For you know what I mean? Like, I would I would set it up in it such a way. It the world. Right. Yeah. I yeah. would do it in such a way where it's like I have my own X team where I'm not like beholden to telling the Cyclops narrative arc again mm-hmm. in some new way and messing it up and pissing people off. Yeah. I'm gonna keep Cyclops as a 32 year old man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever. Which, by that the way, means. he looks like in the drawing of this comic, even though <laughs> no, he's in he's, high school. He's like him a, and Jean Grey. Mature. Both, they wear their like khaki pants and stuff. They look like they're 30. They all look like <laughs> the, the Canadian. I mean, this is the Canadian made television show, like the original X Men series. Yeah. Uh, they look like the Canadian model farm we talk about with the cw yeah that's what they're drawn like but the point is like i don't i mean that's something i just don't like about the show is that they've mixed up the ages and and we get like cyclops in high school to is is not interesting to me meanwhile storm is the adult with professor and she seems like normal storm like there's nothing that like offends me about storm right i mean wolverine we're gonna have to see how he plays in the show but in the first episode i wasn't a fan and but then again it's like it's hard to top what they did with wolverine in the original series where it was like almost perfect it's like probably the best better than hugh jackman in my opinion right he's still the best wolverine that ever was in a in a you know animated slash live action setting it's just like it's kind of a shame for this show because like the original x-men task is our benchmark to like measure this show against which isn't really fair because we have so much nostalgia and love for that show that like nothing can measure up to it probably even though it also you know the animation and like there's certain things about it that are not perfect yeah it was not a perfect show it was it had its flaws it's not entirely like the feeling that it gives us is going to be different from any other show that we watch going forward so like take all these criticisms with a grain of salt (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i mean like i said like don't like we didn't grow up with this show so uh, I mean, if someone who didn't grow up with the original X-Men show had to watch it now, they might think, like, this is dumb. I, yeah. and, and I wouldn't blame them necessarily because it's, you know, you glorify stuff from your childhood. You have a special attachment to it. Um, I mean, Simple Stories is, like, my, one of my best friends, Matt, who's been on the show, uh, like, showed his girlfriend uh, the Star Wars movies, and she's never seen them. And, it, you know, it's like a, sort of like this classic, almost millennial boyfriend joke in a way of like showing your girlfriend all your pop culture shit that they might not have been exposed to 
and like like making them watch it and she wasn't like you know like in love with it you know she's like oh this is whatever mm-hmm. and i think like that's entirely fair like i think like that perspective of uh it's like you have to be aware that if if you don't have a special childhood attachment to something it the thing is probably not as good as you remember it from a purely unobjective standpoint all right, those are our disclaimers for this show, I guess. Yeah. For now. We might have more later. Um, critical acclamations, well, you read a little bit about this before I mean, we watched, right? Like, there's some critics who said it's pretty good. Uh, most said that it's not as good as the original series. I mean, one critic I saw on Wikipedia in an article said, like, yeah, actually, it is better. But, I, I mean, whatever. Um, I don't think for us it's never going to be better, even if we agree at some point it gets good. Um I think it's like its reputation is it's just like it was like mediocre. I mean, it, um, which is not to say uh, that it didn't rise above that or go below that. Um, but it, I mean, it is what it is. It's like it was an attempt. <laughs> I guess it was an attempt at X Men. For us, some something good about this show is just that it's new stories that we haven't necessarily yeah. seen before, like beat for beat, done in the other cartoons or in the movies right. or anything. So we get new X-Men content. And so I, I'm cool. excited from that standpoint, too, because for years I had a bias against the show where it's like, I'm not watching this fucking shit. I could just watch the original X-Men series and be happy. <laughs> yeah. But now it's like I've watched the entire X-Men series again and I did a whole podcast on every episode. And it's, you know, it's like I, now I'm just like sort of open to something new and different. And I'm, I don't like hold any, uh, I don't have to put the X-Men original series on a pedestal anymore. Uh, if anyone cares about my opinions about it, they have a whole you know, backlog of episodes they can listen to where I exclaim it for five seasons, um, exclaim its merits. So uh, it's like, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't have like whatever kind of uh, just like negative, automatic negative bias against this show for no reason anymore. It's just gone. It's melted away. Very good. Yes. So should we begin with this episode, the first episode called Strategy X? Um, you know, like like we said, like first impressions, it didn't, um, we were able to get through the whole thing and not like hate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was fine. It, it is what it is. Right. So um, the show opens with it's a high school football game. We're establishing the world of the high school. Uh, I guess it takes place. It doesn't take place in Westchester, New York or Salem, whatever count. What is the Salem aspect of Westchester? Is that the county or it's Westchester County and they live in Salem? Westchester is the county. I think Salem is supposed to be the town. Okay. I mean, I'm not like that's a little aspect of the X-Men. I never straightened out my mind. I'm not I don't know much about upstate like New York City area. <laughs> I haven't been to Westchester. I don't think ever in my life. Have you been to Westchester? Mm-hmm. You have. Okay. I mean, yeah. So I don't even know if Salem is Salem real. Uh, I don't know. Okay, I don't, whatever. I don't know everything about it. I've yeah, been there neither. a few times. I, I, I don't mean, know. right. I mean, I don't know either. So, but it's it doesn't seem like it's Westchester. It's it's this place known as Bayville, which immediately makes you think of uh, Saved by the Bell, Bayside High. Okay. Which I don't I don't know if they were intentionally going for to to like set you into that vibe, but okay, whatever. It's called Bayville. I'm not gonna quibble about it. We don't even know if it's New York State or whatever where they live. That to me, it's like not that big of a deal. But anyway, it's a high school football game. Uh, Jean Grey is there, and you know she looks like Jean Grey. She's tall, redheaded, pretty. 
Um, you know, she's a high schooler in this iteration. She seems like a high school senior. We don't know what grades the mature X-Men are in, but I would guess senior, right? Yeah, I would guess. Maybe junior to be safe, but uh, who knows. She's photographing a football game. Um, Jean's personality in the first episode, she seems kind of like a little bit more, dare I say, interesting than the Jean Grey we get in the X-Men animated series. She Hold at least has a bit more of a personality to her. Hold that thought. Bayville exists on Long Island, which oh, is like okay. east of New York City. Is it? But is that where this is intended to take place? I don't know. It's on Long Island Sound, and it faces like across the Sound from Greenwich, Connecticut. Okay, so maybe it's a real you. place. Okay, all right. We'll we'll explore more about the lore of like within did... the town of Oyster Bay. <laughs> I love Oyster Bay. I bet you do. Well, I just love it from the song. <laughs> okay, anyways, why do you say that um, Jean is more interesting here than elsewhere? I mean, so the Jean Grey in the X-Men animated series, is she's kind of like staid and mature and... Solemn. Solemn. She's just her personality, her dividing personality traits outside of her fainting every time she uses her powers is just loving Cyclops unconditionally and like maybe being tempted by Wolverine, but never really. Yeah. Uh, she just hangs back at the mansion a lot with Professor X, and I mean, it's like it was fine because she was just—I I bought her as just a, a serious woman. Mm-hmm. But again, when it came to personality, there wasn't much there. I mean, she gets her moment to shine in the Phoenix Saga, but she's mostly interesting in the in the Phoenix and Dark Phoenix Saga just because her powers are so cool. But even in that, it's not like she and has the, a personality. It's right. just that the, she's been taken over by an alien entity, so she. I mean, the story, crazy stuff. the Phoenix story is cool. I mean, the it, Phoenix story is cool, but it's like kind of incredible that they managed to have the whole Phoenix and Dark Phoenix saga and never really delve deeper into the personality of the protagonist. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, I, they do a time. I mean, they go to her childhood home, uh, but I mean, that's kind of weird too. Right. I mean, she's jealous when Scott meets Dazzler. She, it's kind of like, I, I feel like a lot of the Jean, the heavy lifting for Jean Grey in the original series was done in the comic books. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of like your base knowledge of the comics kind of fill in the rest of the characters. You're watching her on screen. I mean, that's one of the benefits you have of just presenting the X-Men as adults is that like you can just, your brain can like freely like connect to stories from the comics and just imagine that they maybe they had those adventures or they're yet to come mm-hmm. and that like helps you fill in the blanks i mean because you could say a lot about like what you know so, what is cyclops's personality in the original series as well yeah that's again true. he's like serious and he's like antagonistic with wolverine yeah but beyond that i mean they get into the whole thing with his father and his orphan childhood but like they don't really like, you don't find out, like, what Cyclops likes to do in his spare time or anything. <laughs> so, uh-huh. it's like, I'm, maybe so maybe it's an advantage of the show is that in X-Men Evolution, the characters, they seem to have a bit more spunk to them. That's true. They and you to... see them doing, like, their regular life stuff. Well, I don't know. I guess in the other show you do you get to see that. But but they're when they're doing their regular life in the, regu- in the original show, they're, they're already fully formed characters. Mm-hmm. So, it's hard to say. You get more... In the regular show, you get a little bit more with, like, Storm and Rogue and their personalities, and even Professor X. You know, that always was just, like, so mystifying to me about how, like, Jean is caught in this love triangle all the time with Wolverine and Cyclops. Like, everyone's... Pine- like, they're both pining after her. Yeah. Like, personality or no. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, like, she's she seems so, like, bland, and yet they both pine for her. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, Storm and Rogue... Both are like much more developed characters with more distinct personality traits. They seem so much more interesting. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, I how agree. Come no like, one's pining after she, them. Yeah, well, like I guess Wolverine, Gambit loves Rogue, but 
Yeah, but yeah. even right, Wolverine pining after you know Rogue and Wolverine might have been a good match mm. because he might be able to take some damage. <laughs> yeah, that's I true. I mean, and, but in a way, they kind of explored that in the movies a little bit, but they made it like in the movies, Rogue is the Jubilee slash Shadow Cat. Right, the so ages he, are all messed up. Yeah, so it's weird. I mean, it would have been weird. I mean, Rogue is like the Rogue we like from the X Men series is like twenty two. That mm-hmm. I mean, Wolverine's one hundred ninety. So right. Like... That's why Wolverine always has to be the adult because no matter what, he's always two hundred years old. He should look grown. <laughs> right. But and like, but to be fair, like a Jean is like what, like twenty nine in the, the original series too. It's not. She's not that much older than Rogue as uh-huh. well. Whatever. We're getting into a pedantic sort of thing. Um, a nitpicky sort of thing, but um, we haven't even started talking about this episode. Really. I mean, that's fine. Okay. There's not much to talk about. Really. <laughs> <laughs> We're just so happy to be back with the X Men. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. All. That's what's fun. But that's what's gonna be even fun. Even if about we like complain and pick it apart, you yeah, know? it's gonna be fun to just talk about the X Men, like compare about it, compare things. Um, so Jean, a little bit more personality in this one. Okay. Um. So we're at this football game. We're introduced to Toad, a character I immediately hate. Uh, his his character's name is Todd Talansky. Um, I guess in the tradition of like Marvel not having the most original alliter- alliterative names. Mm-hmm. You know, his name sort of like, it's got T's in it, so... So he's Toad. Yeah, also right. he happens to look and act like a Toad. Well, I mean, that's sort of part of his yeah, power yeah. and appearance. I um, know, but just that his name matches his uh, appearance so closely. It's kind of yeah. like... It's interesting how much play Toad has gotten in the world of live and animated X-Men. <laughs> That's like, true. Like, Toad is not... He's not the best villain the X-Men ever faced. He's, like, one of the wimpiest sidekick villains. Uh-huh. And he's in the movies, you know? I mean, he doesn't get that much uh, a play in the um, the sort of rebooted X-Men movies. There, You see him kind of briefly as a background character. He's supposed to kind of be a comic relief for the villains, I think, right? Yeah, he because, was like a like, classic... Like, Magneto right. is so serious. Like, his story is so heavy at, that, like, when you have the rest of your villain team, you need somebody who you can just play for laughs a little. Like, oh, he's smelly or whatever, you yeah. know? I mean, and his name, too, he's a toad. He's like a toadstool or, like, he's a toady for Magneto. Uh-huh. You, like, you know, it's kind of just a play on that as well. Yeah. Uh, he he appears in the original X-Men series but, like, one time, I think. In, in, he's not... He's I think not he was, a huge character there. Yeah, yeah, I think he was in that, like, Quicksilver episode, maybe, with Scarlet Witch. I'm not quite sure, but... Yeah, they don't... They, I think they wisely didn't make Toad a major character in the X-Men series. He's not going to be a big character here, right? It was just in this episode. No, I think he's a big character. Oh, really? That's my vague memory of seeing a scattershot amount of episodes over the years. I think Toad's like a big deal in this show. Hmm. So we're going to get a lot of Toad. He's gross. He's smelly. But, you know, they play him off as like he's like a poor kid from the wrong side of the tracks kind of thing. So, you know, you have some sympathy sympathy for him. He's kind of like... I think they're clever in a way to, like, make him almost like a Morlock-type character. Yeah. Uh, so he's stealing wallets from people at the football game. Cyclops notices this and immediately get a taste of whatever Cyclops' personality is going to end up being. And, again, they kind of poochified him. Yeah. He's talking to his friend. He's like, hey, check it. <laughs> he has a lot of turns of phrase that are kind of like that, like, late 90s, early 2000s, like, trying to be cool. They're trying to make him hip like a Joss Whedon Buffy character. I, I read on Wikipedia that the Buffy show had an influence on this, which is ironic because, again, as we've mentioned many times, Joss Whedon like, was inspired by the X-Men in creating this Buffy universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're, they're going for a, a WB Buffy feel. Uh, Cyclops is kind of like Xander, I guess, a mm-hmm. little bit. I don't know. Maybe not. No. Um, 
think so. Yeah, but you know, but you know, just like generic, like Joss Whedon male, okay. like teenage male boy. Uh-huh. That's what he is. <laughs> male uh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, meanwhile, like weirdly, these football players on this team also notice that Toad is robbing people, and they go to confront him, which sets up like a weird moralistic triangle. Yeah. Like, it was just, like, a weird scene that didn't play properly to Right. Me. So, like, the football players notice that Toad is stealing wallets, and they, like, go under the bleachers to beat him up. But, but they're not they're not really going to beat him up for being a thief. They're more beating him up because they enjoy beating him up, or they're, like, bullying him. It, like, it's just kind of a weird dynamic they establish. Because then Cyclops comes under the uh, bleachers, too, because he also saw Toad stealing people's wallets right and he's like okay guys just leave him alone like he's we'll make him return the money and and the wallets and then like we'll just let him go and it'll be fine yeah but it's like it is like a weird moralistic triangle because it's it's vague but it's also not making a point yeah there's nothing clever about it and the original x-men show was much better at like nailing these story beats right even if they were simple and basic they made you, like, understand the power dynamics between characters. Like, for instance, when you're introduced to the Morlocks in the original X-Men show, they're introduced as stealing, and, um... But the the, the point of it is that, like, they're starving and they're poor. I, I, and, you know, you should feel sympathy for them. That might be the case with Toad here, it, but they but didn't establish just, it, really. Right, it's just, they, it's clumsy, the way they, like, set it up. So anyway, Cyclops gets in a fight with the football player. It's weird that, like, Cyclops seems to have some kind of social cachet at the school. It's also weird, though, just, like, going back to that scene for a second, it's weird that Cyclops is willing to let Toad get away with stealing without any kind of repercussions, because Cyclops's typical character traits are, Boy like... Scout. Exactly, the Boy Scout. Like, right. it does... It, the it, military commander. Yeah, he wouldn't stand for stealing, you know? Right. Uh, it would have been... It, yeah, I mean, it's just, like, again, it's just, like, it's kind of, like, weird how they set up, like, all these, like, little dynamics that they they amount to nothing, but they're noticeable because, you know, they're establishing these characters for the first time. It's also weird because before, when Rogue was taking photographs on the... Uh, Not on Rogue, the, Jean. I mean, sorry, Jean was taking photographs on the football field. It seemed like she had some kind of, like, romantic interest... Uh, in I forget his name already, the lead football guy. Yeah, who cares? Right, but <laughs> Cody, then she. Let's just call him. Uh, sure, but then she also has like some vague romantic thing going on with Scott. So that's like another. There's a rivalry going on there that's also somehow playing into this fight that Cyclops is getting into with the football players. Yeah, it, it's a bit confused. Maybe they'll untangle a little bit more. As we we don't really know how the show is going to play out with all its. Uh, sort of narrative beats they're establishing here. So mm-hmm. it might amount to something more interesting. I, I, my suspicion is that it isn't. It's not going to because they're just, like, they're just teenagers. Yeah. Anyway, Cyclops, like, has to stop himself. He has to, like, control his rage to not take right. off his sunglasses and just blast everybody. He decides to punch the football player instead. And he's, like, seemingly about to win the fight, but then Jean sees that they're fighting under the bleachers, and she comes over, and she's like, Scott! And she totally distracts him. The football <laughs> player punches him in the face. His glasses get knocked off, and... He nearly kills the football player by giving him a full optic blast. Which also... Uh, explodes a, a nearby propane tank at the so snack there's like shack a the huge <laughs> explosion yeah uh the football player gets a concussion they have to call ambulances luckily and... nobody dies yeah um i thought i think the animation's okay like i, re- I my memory of the shows that the animation stinks mm-hmm. i was actually i thought it looked good i thought it 
looked much better than X-Men Evolution, I'll I say. Mean, uh, I mean, mean uh, Wolverine, Wolverine and the X-Men. Yeah. I'm not ready to make my full judgment on the animation yet. Uh, we'll see. But I, I, was, I wasn't like, I thought for sure that I'd hate the animation on this. I, I think a lot of it looked okay. I don't like the character facial designs. That's like my always going to be my biggest hang-up with shows like this. Hmm. We went on, on length in our original series talking about how we appreciated that they they were influenced by the Jim Lee style. And yeah. Jim Lee like went for a, a tone of realism, um, at least in my interpretation of a mini. I know it's stylized in a way too, but... You know, it's like they, it's like in shows like this, they've got like the blank anime faces, right? More or less. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe uh, it'll evolve a little bit as the show goes on. All right, but I mean, so despite it being kind of like a weird setup, it, it's it's X Men enough. Yeah. Uh, there's like a like a mutant power eruption at a high school. It's, it's like an appropriate sort of X Men plot point. Mm-hmm. Um, then we go to the introduction. Uh, Music I mean, sucks compared to the original. I mean, no, no, this intro- the original show's introduction is epic. It's memorable. People will never forget the theme song. It looks cool. Uh, it's space-aged. It's futuristic. It's weird. Uh-huh. Um, this introduction is completely unmemorable, except for me, like, when you see Shadowcat mm-hmm. introduced, and she's dancing like Buffy from <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh-huh. which I read on Wikipedia, like, might have been a direct pull they, oh, really? they took from that scene. Huh. Uh, but, I mean, you get, like, all your characters, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Spike, who we're not introduced to in this episode, Wolverine, Storm, Rogue, who we're also not introduced to, Shadowcat, we don't see in this episode, and Nightcrawler. Yeah. Um, I guess they didn't show Professor Rat. Was he one of the characters that was listed? I'm uh, not sure. I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, the music is just, like, generic, like, early 2000s. Yeah. Techno type music. It's fine. It's I mean and it's not I mean it's not the, to me it's intro, like unmemorable. It's the just, intro overall is fine. I mean Okay. I mean yeah, yeah. it's it goes by quick. We'll be skipping the intro though. It's not like from here on out. We yes. see a lot of things we just on Twitter. wanted to see it once. <laughs> you see a lot of jokes on Twitter about uh people say it's like, Oh Disney, you're you're asking me to skip the X Men intro. This feature should be disabled for the show. <laughs> uh, I don't think anyone cares about the introduction for this series. Mm. All right, so uh, Professor X arrived and uh, Jean rushes to comfort Scott, who's also kind of dazed and, you know, messed up over letting his powers out. I did like that Professor X uses his powers in a way that you don't, you didn't normally see him use in the X-Men animated series. He straight up brainwashes the cops to make them, like, not suspect suspect anything <laughs> abnormal in this incident yeah uh it, it's a bit kind of like professor x in the movies a little bit who um i feel like in the original show professor x like he at times he either outright says he does not like to use his powers on normal people mm-hmm. and he also he never really he never went on missions where he was abled enough to even use his powers like he, he was either in the shadow land where his powers were disabled um I mean, he used him against Magneto, I guess, early on in the series. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of, like, about the extent of it, at least as far as I can remember. I can't... Like, I, we don't see Professor X brainwashing regular people that much in the original series. Right. Magneto does not count as regular people. I mean, he uses right. them on, like, Juggernaut and... Yeah, right. Uh, he'll use them on Juggernaut other or, mutants, like, uh, but... other mutants occasionally. But you yeah. never really get to see him. This is more, like, in the realm of Jedi mind tricks. Yes. You know? Yeah. He doesn't tend to use them in that way so in a way it's kind of i feel like this is a point for the show in the sense that uh like it it doesn't it doesn't hide professor x as a weapon Mm -hmm. that the x-men can use where i feel like the original show they are kind of like professor x was a bit more like high-minded to where he didn't he was almost ashamed to use his power at times Mm. 
Um, I, I mean, you know, you know what Professor X uses? I don't know if uses, it's a shame he, well, so much. Well, he uses much. power like... in the original series to use do bad, bad therapy. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like for him it's more of a, a moral obligation that he feels like he shouldn't use it. And so far, minus one point for the show, too, in that sense, is that the original show did such a better job establishing the morality of Professor X and mm. the sort of... Um, the like the the dyed in the wool almost cultish following of his fellow X Men into following his dream mm-hmm. like they really established that in the original show and that's sort of the guiding principle that guides all the characters in this show it's kind of like what is the professor even up to uh, yeah I mean later on they talk about this quote-unquote school as being a place for mutants to learn how to control their powers. Which is always a theme in the original X-Men comics and in the, the original animated show, but that wasn't the principle of the, this institute. The, the principle of the institute is like, Professor X is a dream of uniting humans and mutants in harmony right. and creating a better world. You know, It's about like equality and social justice. Exactly. I don't know, maybe that'll come in later here. They're just introducing us. Yeah, but I mean, to me, it's a problem in the first episode if you don't get Professor X's dream front and center as establishing a broader moral fabric of which this show is going to operate under. Mm-hmm. And I don't think like that's necessarily what this show is about. I mean, I, I, again, I'm guessing I, I haven't seen... We haven't seen it yet, so we don't know. Yeah. But uh, whatever the moral... The moral stakes are not established in episode one, and to me, I, I noticed the lack of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, Toad, like, we see... You know, he thanks Scott, but he's disgusting. You see he eats flies with his long green tongue. Uh, another weird thing we notice is that Storm is Professor X's driver in mm-hmm. his limousine, which was weird. <laughs> I I mean I don't want to like I don't know Should, I mean it's like you could just, I, my brain immediately goes to driving Miss Daisy like just the weird racial implications of driving a rich old white person around as a, as like their but he doesn't have use of his legs so he I, can't drive I, I know but I'm just saying like to just having Storm be the driver is just like a weird and choice. she's the only other adult right so this. well I mean Wolverine is but he hasn't he's, he's not, not there home. yet yeah yeah. Um, so again, the show takes place in Bayville. Storm and Professor X go to the train station to meet the arrival of a new mutant, Kurt Wagner. Uh, is Nightcrawler? He's going to join the team. Uh, actually, I kind of like this Nightcrawler. They get that he's fun and happy, mm-hmm. uh, which some versions of Nightcrawler you don't see so much. I guess more in the movies. Like he's a bit more sullen mm-hmm. and sad in the movies, or I don't know. Like, here, it's like Nightcrawler is kind of like a fun, spunky character, so I like that. Um, we get an establishing scene of Wolverine in a buying bottle of water in a newspaper in a market somewhere in the woods, and uh, I think the scene sucks. I, I have a feeling that, I, like, Wolverine's going to be, be going to be one of my least favorite characters on this show. I hope I'm proven wrong. Yeah. I don't I mean... like the voice acting. I just... He rolls up on his motorcycle, which is fine. But then, like, when he gets the bottle of water inside the store, he doesn't just open it and drink it like a regular person. He, like, pulls his claws and slices the top off the bottle and drinks it. He's like, hey, recycle this. I just don't feel like he would be using his powers blatantly for no reason like that. Sabretooth is stalking him in the woods, um, making some cool animal sounds. Uh Uh-huh. Again, it's going to be hard for them to top whatever they were doing with Sabretooth in the original series. He was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and the the voice acting of Sabretooth and Wolverine in the original series is so great. Uh, this is going to be a big downgrade. Um, I mean, I was talking about how I thought Jean Grave's personality was pretty good, but you do get a scene of her fixing her hair and Cyclops complaining about her hogging the bathroom. 
Uh, that was a weird scene, actually. I mean, it's a mansion. That Aren't there, like, 10,000 bathrooms? She's just, like, brushing her hair, like, several times. <laughs> yeah. And Cyclops is like, am I going to have to b- break this door down or, or blast this door down? He says something like that <laughs> to try to, like, motivate her to move quicker. Uh, but the second she's done, he's stunned at her beauty. Uh, right. Strange exchange. I don't it, know. It's just, yeah, it's just weird. It's like the, sh- the, the, the writing is clumsy. It's not sharp. Yeah. Um... And it's, you know, it's just like, I don't know. Like, obviously, Scott and Jean have an infatuation with each other, but it's a kid's show, so they're never going to get realistic with the way they interact, in my opinion, because teenage boy and teenage girl uh, is like, the dynamic is going to be a lot more awkward than what they'd be willing to do on a sort of stylized, cleaned-up, animated show for children. That's true, but... No matter what the dynamic, I just feel like, you know, Jean and Scott are your model couple in a lot of ways. They're, like, loving and stable. And they're perfect looking. Whatever. Uh, making Scott yell that he's going to blast the door down while Jean fixes her hair, I think, is not a healthy behavior pattern to model. <laughs> that's all. Yeah, but it's it's all, it's just, like, it's to me, that's more reflective of bad writing and tropey writing uh-huh. than it is of, like, making a weird statement about I don't think it's a statement I think right. it, it's just that like somebody didn't think about it yeah it's 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 just the unthinking shit Hollywood writing that like existed for 75 years unchallenged and you know what I mean? like unthinking dynamics between men and women mm-hmm. written into shows uh the X, again, the X-Men original series, and this is probably going to become a recurring theme in this podcast going forward. Yeah, I didn't was, think about that before, but already it is. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's a little better at, like, the male-female dynamic. A, a lot of that has to do because they're already adults, but all right, mm. we're, we'll see how this all plays out. I, I just want to say, in general, they're th- these X-Men, they get their uniforms, which look fine. You know, they're just they're new versions created for the show. I didn't have a problem with the way the uniforms look. Again, they're not as interesting as just using the Jim Lee uniforms, which were creative and colorful and bombastic. Uh, they're Overall, the outfits are boring in the show. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, they're, the outfits they wear... street clothes they're or they're both. costumes? The costumes and the street clothes. Uh-huh. Pretty overall boring. Scott's it's part wearing of the khakis. update thing, you know? Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, let's get through this. Professor X, uh, he's yelling at Scott because he didn't control his powers. That seems to be Professor X's biggest complaint not like the battle between evil mutants and good mutants or his dream to make the world a better place and bring well none of that's come up yet yeah but in the course of the storyline so there's not much for him to talk about really but like apparently the fight with the football player was all over the news so it was unavoidable and professor x like knows all about it and right so that's why he's mad that scott didn't control his power i kind of like the line from scott where he said i'm packing a bazooka behind each eyeball give me a break yeah i mean that was kind of not bad exposition and getting like a, a sense of like his struggle a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and then we get introduced to sort of like the villainous undercurrent of this show. Uh, Mystique is—it's clearly Mystique, you know. Mm-hmm. She's the principal at, I guess, Bayville High, and uh, she recruits Toad to spy on Scott Summers and the X Men, and she uses her power kind of interestingly in a way that I don't think we really saw in the original series where she transforms into a monster to frighten Toad. Mm-hmm. Like a big alien-esque bug creature. Yeah. And I like that. I was like, that's yeah, kind that of like interesting. a new take on Mystique. Uh, overall, her personality so far just seems kind of over the top and yelling. 
because I guess they want her to be like the principal from hell mm-hmm. kind of thing, um, a scary adult that's like going to be her role in the show. Uh, meanwhile, we get some backstory in Nightcrawler. His parents sent him away to Xavier Institute. I mean, in the comics, he was an orphan that was adopted by uh, circus performers in Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the parents they're talking about could be the circus performers in Germany. We don't know. I mean, his real parents is like Mystique is one is his mom. Right. I mean, that's. <laughs> I don't think. I, I doubt that's going to come up on the show. I'd be surprised if it does. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something that they they definitely they went there in the original series, which, which was great. That they, I guess they reveal that Nightcrawler, that Mystique is Nightcrawler's mom, right? In the original show. Um, anyway, uh, Xavier, like Nightcrawler's happy to be at the mansion, although he is self-loathing about his appearance until Xavier gives him his transformation watch, which is definitely something from the comics. Uh, early on, Professor X gives Nightcrawler a, like a magical device that lets him look like a human being. Well, I mean, you know, like a traditional human being. Yeah, turns him not blue and right. makes his hands have five fingers, his tail disappears. I, this part, I actually kind of like their explanation. You know, Professor X and Storm are both there giving him the watch and his uniform on the first day, whatever. Yeah. And when he puts the watch on, he's like so delighted to just look quote unquote normal. And like, this is nice messaging, right? They're like, oh, you are normal. Like this watch is just a, a tool basically for you to have because... I a lot of people out there don't understand you. and I think it's a complicated message. I mean, because it's a science fiction show, right? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's an allegory towards racism. Right. Um, which is fucked up. Like, you wouldn't... Like, if you're doing a show where you have a, um, a black person, and it's like, here, put on this watch. It'll make you look white, and you could fit in better society. Like, that would be a fucked up message, right? That's true. But, I mean, that's essentially what the show is saying. It's like, oh, this will help you fit in better. But it's like it's a sci-fi show. He's a monster, like literally. Like I don't know, like where to draw the line with like how how I should feel about this device. Mm. I liked it in the comic book. I mean, in the comic, Professor X is like Tony Stark gave me this thing. It'll make you and Professor and Nightcrawler use it to not just look like a, re- a white guy. He looked like famous celebrities. I think like he made himself look like Douglas Fairbanks or things like that. You know, like he would use it in a fun way. Like he it wasn't just one set look. Oh, okay. Because here it just turns him from blue to like peach colored, like yeah, like a white guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, he can't it, like transform his whole appearance, though. I mean, in yeah, in the comic, he could like change his outfits even with the device. Hmm. Uh, and also, and I think like he doesn't even use it that long in the comics. He uses it in the sort of the the Phoenix era of comics. And then after that, I don't think it's like much of a thing that comes up. I mean, I might be wrong about that. Cause he eventually he spent off the different X-Men comics, you know, like Excalibur. I yeah. don't know if he like kept the, the, the transform transformation device. I feel like Nightcrawler's arc in the, in the comic was that like he gets, he's very well adjusted right. and he starts to, he just starts to like be happy in his own skin and he's a prankster and he likes to drink beer with Wolverine. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not like, I don't think he was like relying on the transforming device to, no, well, I mean, I feel like you would barely ever see him. I don't know. I feel like you usually see him as blue. Right. right? That's interesting. He's I didn't usually think in about the company the... of the other X-Men. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think about the connotations of this device that carefully before you just said it. <laughs> now now I mean, yeah, I'm like a... totally reworking my opinion of the whole thing, the right. whole device. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to consider with this device. It just makes you into another person to like adjust to society's own to make fucking everyone else prejudice you more and racism. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like there's... It's a it's a weird kind of thing to think about. Um, anyway, it's, it's also weird that they give him his X Men outfit on the first day. Like, hey, you're gonna you're here to be a superhero. Hmm. 
which I don't really have a problem with so much. I kind of like that they had that aspect in the Generation X show too, that you're here to be trained to be superheroes, and that's kind of that's that. Hmm. Um, meanwhile, I'll cut back to high school. Yeah, so the other weird aspect, it's like Xavier's Institute is not a high school, which I thought like the show would be. I thought maybe like they like the school was Xavier's place. Mm-hmm. It was Mutant High, but no, it's they go to Bayville High. Right, they go to regular they, high school. They just live at the mansion. <laughs> right, which is kind of strange. Um, I don't know. The whole Professor X living with a bunch of teenagers thing is weird. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's as much credence as I'll give to that sort of notion. But it does like exist in the back of your brain, at least mine. Anyway, this is weird. Um, Toad is spying on Scott from Mystique. They both. You know, Toad reveals to Scott that he's a mutant. Scott doesn't like this guy, but he talks to Professor X about him, and they they decide to try to recruit him. It's 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 kind of like a it's a it's a retelling of a classic X Men story when the Blob is introduced in the original issues, where they try to they find the Blob at a carnival, and Pref- Professor X is like, "Oh, a new mutant! He, of course, he's going to join the X Men. Any mm-hmm. new mutant we find, we're going to ask him to join the X Men." And then you know, Blob they invite him to the mansion. And Blob turns out to be a villain, and he's like, I'm not joining you wimps, you know. Mm. Uh, and Professor X is, like, stunned to learn that not everyone is going to be on board for whatever the X-Men believe in. And he has to, they have to fight the Blob, you know. Yeah. In the end, in that comic, Professor X has to b- brainwash the Blob from even remembering who the X-Men <laughs> are. Uh, so it, this is like a similar thing. It's like they're inviting Toad in as a tryout for the X Men, and it all goes wrong. Like, I mean, it's a weird way to try to recruit someone because they don't tell him that he's trying out. They have no idea if he's on board with their principles. They're or quote not. unquote right. They're quote unquote testing him. Right. The show is missing the principles. Yeah. We need the principles. Otherwise, a lot of this doesn't make sense. Um. Anyway. Also, like yeah. I guess because Toad is smelly, everyone really doesn't want to be around him. Even Scott, like kind of can't stand to be around him yeah which i just think is like i don't know it's not something that you think about that much in day-to-day life or i don't anyway but um i don't know i'm about to go on some stupid tangent about what the personal hygiene of co-workers in the workplace (laughs) i mean that's a serious thing that a lot of people struggle with is the hygiene of other if someone you work with doesn't have good hygiene it's it's fucking torture actually i like (laughs) Someone was telling me about, like, this poll that they had on, like, a Zoom meeting or something where, like, people were being asked about their worst job ever, like, throughout the course of their lives. And, like, pretty much every personal anecdote that people told for their worst job had something to do with how horrible it smelled. Yeah. Like, someone worked in a sausage factory. Yeah. Somebody, uh, like... At an oil refinery or... I don't know, like, but every single story had, like, a particular distinct smell that was, like, the complaint, the principal complaint about the job, which I just think is, like, (laughs) interesting. I never would have thought of that. I kind of enjoyed that in the Spider-Man series. He always has to deal with bad-smelling situations. (laughs) Yeah. Being thrown into garbage or into the East River or something. Yeah. I don't know. It just, like... Anyway, getting back to the thing with Toad, I just feel like they make him such an unlikable character. Yeah. You know, and, like... I don't know, is it supposed to be enlightened or something, you're or Professor have, X to, think, like, try to take him in anyways? Well, yeah, I mean, you're supposed to have sympathy for him because he's so... it's He's representative of mutants that are not... Uh, they're like... He's like a Morlock, like I said. He's like this freak mutant mm-hmm. who society's going to reject for a lot of reasons. And, I mean, it was always a big thing on the show. It's like, why don't the Professor X take in the Morlocks? He's got this big, empty mansion. Yeah, seriously. We always And then they always, that. like... But, you know, on the show, they're like, to the show's like tries to explain it like oh they reject 
you know, at one point they say like, uh, until there's peace between humans and mutants, we are not going to go above ground and live with you, X Men. Right. Uh, which it makes no sense, uh, because like the 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 mansions in the middle of the woods. Like right. I said, in a big empty house, like I think they'd be safe there. They don't want to be part but, of the conflict right. or something. Anyway, if Toad were given that changing device watch, would his smell disappear? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. No, he wouldn't. Um, uh, anyway, so, you know, Toad is like, he's invading the X-Men grounds. I guess Mystique prodded him to do so. Uh, Storm shoots some lightning at him to scare him. He ends up getting to a fight with Nightcrawler. They're sort of like evenly matched because they can both stick to walls and jump around really well. And uh, they end up in the danger room by mistake. The danger room gets into its automatic self-defense settings because there's intruders. Uh, it's just weird how that danger room wouldn't be set up that way. Wouldn't a better self-defense be if you walked in that room, nothing happens. It just stays a big blank empty room mm. instead of like a bunch of laser beams coming out attacking people. That was dumb. Uh, but it's a chance to show off the danger room and see all the X-Men fighting it. Storm, Scott, and Jean go to the rescue to rescue Nightcrawler and Toad who are being attacked. Uh, you know, it's successful. Uh, you get to see them use their powers. There's some, like, nice moments. I liked when uh, uh, Nightcrawler says to Jean, who's floating around, he says, oh, are you an angel? And, mm -hmm. and she says, oh, are you a demon? And she kind of laughs about it. I, I, you know, it wasn't that witty, but I thought it was, like, not bad brevity there. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, Toad is hopping out of the mansion. He doesn't want to be an X-Man. He runs into Wolverine, who comes home, who's a Canadian cowboy in this version. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Professor X tells Wolverine to let Toad go. Um, you know, I don't know. N not so interesting there. Uh, meanwhile, Scott introduces Nightcrawler to the SR-71 Blackbird um, and establishes that Scott can fly the thing. And really, the only thing you learn about the Xavier Institute is that the mission there is to control their powers. And then the episode ends with a teaser where Mystique, who's annoyed at Toad for failing, she's like super outraged, she's at an 11, uh, but then she is equally terrified when Magneto's presence comes into the room and... Uh, He's like a shadow out the window, right. like menacing her. Threatens Mystique. I don't know. There's like a couple things at the end here that don't line up 100%. Like when they let, when Professor X tells Wolverine to let Toad go, like does Toad even know what he's being let go from? Like does Toad know that he just had a trial to become an X-Man and he could have, but he's essentially turning it down by running away? I don't feel like there was any dialogue around that where they were like, Hey, yeah. Toad, we're the X-Men. Like, <laughs> Yeah, the writing stinks. It's nowhere near close to the amazing two-part pilot of the original series, which establishes the whole world of the X-Men, Jubilee's you know, plight with her foster parents, how humans feel about mutants, the fear, the terror. I just feel like there was no communication there. That was kind of like a missed... It just missed the mark because there was no exposition to the characters themselves. Like, us viewing it we can kind of figure out like all right i guess toad's not part of the x-men but it's not clear like why or yeah. how it's not really established it's not even established in my at least unless i missed it like why toad's even going to the x-mansion right because like on the one hand it seems like mystique wants him to go there to get closer to scott so that's why he's going but at the very and he's wearing same, a super villain outfit when he does right he has on his like little toad outfit but then <laughs> like at the same time professor x is telling storm like oh go like vet this guy and see if he's good enough so it's like 
Storm wants him to be there also. What a coincidence. It just happens to be that he's there. Like, it's too... It's just bad, clumsy writing. I mean, compare it to the original pilot, which is a masterpiece, where all the X-Men are introduced at the mall, more or less. Yeah. And they're, they get all these, like, witty little scenes where Gambit is flirting with the woman he's buying his decks of cards from, mm-hmm. where Ro- uh, Rogue and Storm are shopping for clothes, and they have to fight the Sentinels in their street clothes, and Jubilee's running for her life, and then she bumps into Cyclops, who, like, heroically is standing there in his spandex and his gleaming visor, and blows the head off a sentinel. You know, it's just like the X-Men are big, powerful, funny adults. Right, and you, like, get all that action and exposition, but then Cinematic, it's like... Later, they have conversations that make sense to kind of tie it all up. Right, and you're introduced (laughs) to the other X-Men later. Wolverine is, like, really exciting when he's introduced in the Danger Room. Yeah. And uh, Morph is funny, and Beast is really, like, kind of in a weird science lab. I mean, it was a master class of just any kind of, like, a, a pilot. It was it was a yeah. home run right from the beginning. I mean, here also the other thing that doesn't, like, totally line up for me is when Scott is showing Nightcrawler and saying, like, oh, yeah, if you join the X-Men, then you also can learn to fly with a Blackbird and whatever. Like, he's recruiting him all over it again. It didn't make sense. He already got the uniform. Got the uniform on. His parents sent him there. Do his parents know that he's going to be part of like a, a crime fighting unit? Right. Or do they think it's really just a school? How much is he actually signed up for already? It's again, it's like how much does he know that he signed up for it? Like it's, it's weird. It's the poochification of the X Men. It's like we the 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 primary directive given to the showrunners are like we need to make the X Men young and hip and put and make them teenagers. Like that's the the guiding principle of the that's show. That's fine, but I wish they would have just like tied up some of those loose ends and made it make sense they could be young and hip and whatever but but like make your dialogue make sense yeah all right well we've gone on (laughs) i was gonna say (laughs) i said the first episode it's like we've gone on too long but we should like technically we should be going on longer in the first episode if anything because we're giving our feelings and establishing the show but the first episode's very slight it's very there's not much heft to it uh it's not great but maybe it gets better hopefully it does um, do you have any final thoughts on it before we wrap up here? Um, no, I mean, to be honest, I was kind of dreading getting into this show, and yeah. now I'm I'm not dreading next week. I'm probably going to have a lot more complaints, yeah. so to all you fans out there, sorry. Well, we'll complain about it in the first season. But, I already threatened our, our fans in the X-Men Task Facebook group, which you could join and also get threatened. I said, because they all promise that it gets better in season two. Right. So I'm going to hold them all to that. If it doesn't get better, then there's going to be hell to pay. <laughs> I don't know what that means, <laughs> no, but no, okay. I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, um, I, you know, we thought about just like maybe if the first season's this bad, we'll like clump some of the episodes together. But we'll see week to week how we feel about the direction of the show. If if we should like bunch some some together. But at the same time, part of doing the show is being a completist with the whole X Men experience. Mm-hmm. So maybe uh, maybe we'll just do everything as dutifully as we can. And but then again, if if out of nowhere, if Disney Plus is like, oh, here's a new X Men animated series show, we're gonna stop this and do that. So I'm gonna give that warning as well. <laughs> We're going to do something new and interesting if it should appear on Horizon. We we reserve the right to stop talking about this show if just for whatever something comes up in life, you know, up to including the world ending, which is now uh, on the on the table of, of possibilities. It's true. Um, so like I said, join the X-Men Test Podcast Facebook group. Follow me on Twitter at Willie Simpson and rate and review us five stars. Uh, Sonia, any final words before we depart uh, yet again on the dawn of a new show's launch? That's all. Okay. <laughs> all right. Good night, everybody. Good night.